Welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball, and I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. You uh, you had a good week? You ready for the J.R. Smith show? <laughs> I am still getting used to the Dion Waiters hour, so <laughs> let's let's ease into this, shall we? <laughs> I, I, I really hope it isn't going to be an hour of Dion Waiters. <laughs> if it really turns into an hour of Dion Waiters, the Lakers are just screwed. The season was was cursed. <laughs> I like the thought of the Dion Waiters hour just because, like, I always think of the magic hour, you know? Yeah. It has such positive connotations, really, in Lakers history. Well, I mean, that one, like, hour because of the gummies must have been pretty magical. You know? <laughs> so, so maybe All that's right. what it turns into. We should probably spell out the actual news here. Um mm-hmm. This is Wednesday, and on Tuesday, Avery Bradley became the first player on a contender, I think that's safe to say, uh, to opt out of the Orlando restart, um, citing some health concerns regarding his children. I was a little uncomfortable hearing all of the details about his family. I feel like he shouldn't have had to share all of that, um, though I understand why he felt the need to be transparent. It's just between that and learning about Trevor Reza's custody battle, which is why he was sitting out, I just... I feel like we should just give the NBA players a little more credit. If they're sitting out, they've probably thought it through. They have the reasons and we don't need to know them, but it is what it is. Avery Bradley sitting out and we wish him well because it's obviously a very difficult decision to make. Yeah. It really says a lot about how we've kind of dehumanized athletes that it takes a child's respiratory issues and <sighs> a custody battle, which like if you've, either ever been a part of one or known somebody that is a part of one it is some of the the toughest kind of situations a person can be in so like it, if that's what it takes for people to say oh, okay fine you don't have to shoot baskets for my favorite professional team <laughs> we, we, we probably should rethink some of the stuff yeah i mean so davis Bertans when he opted out uh i don't even think he released a statement the wizards were just like he's going to be a free agent He's had two ACL surgeries. We're not going to risk it. And he got some blowback from within the NBA, which I thought was very surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, I expected fans to have, you know, negative reactions. It's not that I agree with those reactions, but I expected fans to, you know, have very strong opinions. But the fact that an NBA player, like, essentially called out Bertans without calling him out on Twitter, um, Evan Fournier, but... Never should look up his name, obviously. Uh, so, <laughs> don't don't uh, Google him or his tweet. Just take our word for it. He subtweeted Bertans, and we can move on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really unnecessary. I I generally like Fournier's game, but that was that was a real downer. Um, I don't think any player should be chided for not wanting to be a part of this entirely experimental process where the rates of the virus are spiking in Florida and re-injury is a real issue I mean it's it's all so chaotic and we just have no idea how it's going to work I I just wish everybody the best who's going and who's not going and I hope they're at peace with their decisions because it's entirely their decisions yeah I so I've actually been kind of struck by this I mentioned this to Harrison on on the show that I did with him earlier in the week but it's really been striking to me how you know, current players, it's one thing for current players, right? Because they're all part of the same kind of culture where uh, it's, it's, it's this culture that has been cultivated for, for however long we've been watching professional sports and, and competitive sports really is, is 
that what comes first is the team and you sacrifice for the team. And in some cases you even kind of let go of some of what makes you human for the sake of the team. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's one thing when, when, you know, current players that are facing all of these same things that, Although I don't think Fournier, oh no, he will be right because he's he's in the Orlando Magic. Yeah, Orlando's part of it. Yeah, so so like some of these players, it's one thing for you know for them to be looking at the same things that uh, other players are going to be nervous about. It's one thing for them to say, "All right, guys, come on, right?" Uh, it, it's not for me to say either way how anybody should react to to how any of this goes. But what's really been interesting to me. And I think it really speaks to the amount of money that is to be made post-career, right? In ways that I don't think existed even, you know, before, especially now that, you know, podcasting has really shown itself to be super uh, monetizable. I think that's a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I think that's but, a word, yeah. But, uh, well, nice thing is when you're an English major, you get to just make up words. And <laughs> they, they give you that ability. It's, it's like on your uh, diploma. But... Um, it's it's been really interesting though to see like the Ryan Hollins of the world, the Kendrick Perkins of the world, uh, Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson, a lot of these guys who maybe didn't make as much money as some of the players in the NBA currently did, and are looking to make you know a, a, a sustainable income moving forward now that their career is over, but need the NBA to exist at its peak popularity to be able to do that. It's been interesting to see those guys actually go at their former peers, right? So this, this mm-hmm. extremely tight-knit uh, fraternity that, that in professional sports is, uh, they've, they've taken shots at, at, at current players in ways that we don't normally see from, from former players. So it's been kind of interesting. That dynamic of it has really struck me as, as fascinating um, just because of the amount of money that is on the line for, for everybody involved or, you know, directly involved or indirectly involved, however you mm-hmm. want to spell it out. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the Avery Bradley thing hits a little closer to home for us just because he's such an integral part of what the Lakers were doing. Um, I, it's funny at the start of the season, I thought he was going to be completely useless on the <laughs> Lakers. Um, uh, I, I don't think I hid my feelings about that at all. Uh, but I mean, he's starting point guard in name. He defends the opposing starting point guard. Uh, the Lakers have talked about the Avery challenge they had when he was out, you know, to keep their defense intact when he was injured and KCP was starting in his place. And I don't expect every team to be whole when they come to Orlando. I'm sure that, you know, some other players will end up sitting out. I think they have until July 1st to inform their teams of their decisions and, I assume that some injuries will pop up that we're not aware of at this point, but it's, it doesn't feel great to know that we had the number one team in the West going into this. And now uh, a pretty significant piece of that is gone. Um, Especially because we just had that last Avery Bradley game against the Clippers. (laughs) It's kind of like the, you know, the, the memory that's in everyone's head of him just hitting every single shot and laying it into his former team and, you know, chatting up Patrick Beverly, which is, you know, required at this point apparently <laughs> um he's doing the but costanza, yeah I, I, right? i've done like a real 180 doing, on avery bradley he, he's doing the costanza <laughs> right where he he makes a great joke and then exit stage left i'm out <laughs> that's it that's it it's not getting any better i'm out of here yeah uh, it's uh it's really surprising to me that we've come to a point where i am like having to reckon with the fact that avery bradley means something to the lakers and his absence will have to be addressed uh <laughs> 
I, I assume KCP is still going to start in his place. I've, I've heard some people saying that, you know, Rondo or Caruso will be there. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, LeBron is going to be the point guard for the Lakers in the playoffs. So you just need somebody to play defense and hit threes. And that is not Rondo. And as much as we love Alex Caruso, I just don't think he's ready yet. Um, do you think KCP will end up starting? Yeah, I think I think that's probably how this winds up playing out. And, you know, it's it's funny with Avery Bradley, uh, the, the conversation about him, he's one of those players that's just kind of a lightning rod for hot takery, right? And yeah. Um, and and for some of it is kind of earned. Like you 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 mentioned how before the season how you felt about him. I think that has a lot to do with how much how close uh, attention you pay to the Clippers, right? Where he was just exactly awful, so <laughs> bad, <laughs> one of the worst players in the NBA. Yeah. So like I, I completely kind of understand that. And even even like as he's been good for the Lakers, it's been somewhat controversial, right? How good has he been? How important has he been? there are metrics out there that say that there are actually better defenders on the team. But then you also look at the way that the Lakers talk about him, and there has to be, even while we acknowledge that stats can paint one picture and, and, and also know that what players value is, is it can be a different thing, but you do have to still value that input from players, right? Where they say mm-hmm. we did have the, the Avery Bradley t- or the Avery test, whatever it was, or, or, or the challenge. And, mm-hmm. um, and and also like you just look at the bench when he gets into somebody the the game that kind of sticks out to me is the game against the Dallas Mavericks where he really got into Luka Doncic and really gave him problems all over the court and you watch the bench as he's doing that they're all up on their feet they're loving every second of it and and they they feed off of it and and it's something that you know really does uh, stir better effort from everybody else on the court defensively and and elsewhere on the court and. You know, that is something that it's completely intangible in nature. It's, it's impossible to prove what it actually means uh, on, on a basketball court. But we do have to acknowledge that that's a very important aspect of something that the Lakers are not going to have. Or, or if they are going to have it, it's going to have to come from someone who hasn't really been that to this point. So that to me is what I'm, I'm, I'm most nervous about in with uh, with Bradley sitting out. And it's crazy, like you said, that we're nervous about anything. I mean, hell, take it back like a couple weeks ago where we were like, damn, the Lakers might not have Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley. If I would have told you that before before the season <laughs> as something that we'd be nervous about, you just shook me and said, there's no way that I would ever want to do a show with you. <laughs> it's so strange. It's so very strange. Um, but that, that chemistry that you were talking about is is spot on because – the entire season, we've talked about how the Lakers, they just seem to fit together almost immediately, like better than we could have expected. And all the players like even talked about how it's not normal for teams to develop chemistry this quickly or to bond this well, but it was very much a part of their story for the first 60-whatever games of the season. And mm-hmm. even if you take out a guy who, I mean, like you said, like their stats that paint it one way or the other, they all love him he's part of the team um, and he's a part of that chemistry and you can't just take a piece out and expect everything else to function the same way. It's not, it's not fantasy basketball, right? Like it's, yeah, it's a person. (laughs) And I mean, like I've always thought that KCP is just the same as Avery Bradley, but if you look at those five man starting lineups and with Avery Bradley, the Lakers had a net rating of plus 12.6. You just take him out and put in KCP and it goes down to plus 3.4. Like that's, that's a meaningful difference. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of defensive effort that we're not getting, you know, when you take out Avery Bradley. And I do think his role is very specific. You know, I think he's 
at his best when he can really just um, hone in on a, a point guard who controls everything in the offense. So like he's defending on the ball at the point of attack. That's his best skill, but he's, he's the one player on the Lakers who's uniquely suited to do that. Um, and I don't know how many teams the Lakers will run into in the playoffs that have somebody like that. Uh, although John Morant immediately comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be very odd not to have him around. Um, I wish that it didn't have to be like, because of a health concern, you know, we, we had discussed the possibility of him not being able to play because of the uh, social justice movement and the, the letter that he and Kyrie Irving had, you know, written to the NBA about empowering black people within the league itself. Uh, I thought that's what was, was going to happen um, to have this on top of it. It's just, it's kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, I'm just still like so shook by this. <laughs> like I'm talking this way about Avery Bradley. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm still reckoning with my feelings, guys. <laughs> it's funny to like actually listen to an epiphany take place. It's it's kind of wild to watch. But but like the other thing too, and you, that I think uh, I, I forgot to mention when when Pete and I talked about it for for locked on was that like the playoffs were going to be one of those spots where I think Bradley would have improved because the they're refereed differently, and he has hmm. he's one of those players in the NBA who because of reputation is going to be allowed to do different things defensively. Right? You look at the way like Patrick Beverly guards guys compared to, and what he gets away with compared to, you know, what Alex Caruso gets away with. Like that's, that, that's actually really meaningful come uh, that kind of a situation. And Bradley is one of those guys who is allowed to hand check a little bit and is allowed to, to ride or get into the guy that he's guarding and, and not having that, or especially not having that reputation, uh, given how important that has shown itself to be in games, especially games against good teams that the Lakers have won those, the, that, that reputation and that skill set is, is really going to be missed. And, and, and uh, you know, even, even if KCP steps up and is able to offer up some of that or or Caruso does, or we get playoff Rondo, right. You're still, you're still not going to be refereed in the same way that Avery Bradley is going or was going to be. And, and thus, like if KCP tries that now he picks up foul trouble and you have an already shortened rotation that is now that now has to deal with fewer KCP minutes, which again, like all of these sentences, like I know that they, (laughs) I know they have meaning in my head and I know that I'm actually saying them out loud, but as I say them are just insane to me. (laughs) You were KCP minutes. Yeah. It's a, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. Um, So I think now that we've established what value Avery Bradley brings to the Lakers, let's take a little break and then come back and talk about how the Lakers can replace that both with the players they currently have and maybe with somebody they don't. All right. So I wrote about this earlier in the week for Silver Screen Roll. Uh, the Lakers did sign Dion Waiters this season before the hiatus happened. Uh, he did not actually suit up for the Lakers. Um, I think he was rumored to play, or he was supposed to play one game for South Bay, like in his rehab, and that never happened because the seasons ended up getting postponed in the G League case. It was canceled. So that's one alternative backcourt option that the Lakers have in place um, in addition to obviously the Rondo Caruso KCP triumvirate that we discussed. Um, the Lakers have also been linked uh, basically since they signed LeBron James to J.R. Smith, uh, which uh, yesterday, like um, the minute that Avery Bradley announced his decision not to play in Orlando, the rumors were, Oh, you know, 
J.R. Smith's been working out in L.A., and then Woj described him as the leading contender to take uh, the 15th spot on the Lakers roster. I have to say the fact that the Lakers haven't already signed him makes me think that they're shockingly doing some due diligence here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And maybe they're not as enamored with J.R. Smith as like the, oh, former Cleveland teammate clutch client suggests they should be. Yeah, I I think that's a – that's. I don't even know if we can even call that a theory. Like that's somewhere in between theory and, and, and fact, quite mm-hmm. frankly, because like, yeah, I, this is the kind of move that I think they are going to look around and stuff like that. But, but the fact that there aren't so, like just noticeably better options out there uh, and the fact that they are seeming to, to wait on this, that's, I think that's really worth noting. Does that mean that he definitely is not Smith is definitely not going to be a Laker? I don't think so, but mm-hmm. but I, I don't think there is as uh, adamant about it. And I know reporters hate that you ever imply anything like this, but I just love that as soon as this news got out there, that Smith's agent just immediately started texting every single reporter <laughs> that they know, and and immediately you got some version of that text out there in the Twitter sphere. Uh, it's just it's just kind of funny how all this stuff kind of works. But when you think about it and you back up for a second, you you have to kind of notice, well, is this such a dire need that, you know, they would just immediately is is the market on J.R. Smith going to move so quickly that the Lakers just have to swoop yeah. him up immediately? I, I just don't think that's the case. Right. So I think we established that the what you miss from Avery Bradley is that defense at the point of attack. And I I would think that KCP and Caruso provide that enough. Um, J.R. Smith, noted point yeah. of attack defender. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, the thing is, like, do you want another player to specifically replace that part of what Avery Bradley provides? Or do you think this is an opportunity for the Lakers to address another weakness that they might have? Say, like, another ball handler. Or, I don't know, another wing or another shooter. Like, it just... To me, it seems like they're not going like for like here, right? Because in no universe do J.R. Smith and Avery Bradley occupy like the same plane of existence. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know LeBron says like, you know, he can handle locker room chemistry and he vouched for J.R. I think it was five years ago now in Cleveland. It should be noted that he vouched for J.R. at the expense of shipping away Dion Waiters. So mm-hmm. make of that what you will. I kind of wanted the Lakers to go more in a traditional point guard direction. Like we talked about Darren Paulson, what was it, like four months ago before the buyout deadline. Uh, maybe a player like that seems like he could make more sense on this roster. But I also don't know if that player exists. Like, do you really yeah. want to bring in Trey Burke or Jaron Grant? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can go kind of talent for talent here. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing too is that like the Lakers have guys on their roster who could hypothetically or theoretically step into parts of that role. Obviously not as well, but but mm-hmm. maybe maybe in in some ways, you know, bring eighty five percent of what they think Avery Bradley is worth, and and then from there that allows you because one thing that the Lakers are really missing and have been missing all year is size at the two spot. Mm-hmm. So like you know you, you you technically have Danny Green there. But he spent some time at the small forward, and then and then you know J.R. Smith would probably be more of a small forward at this stage of his career anyway. But but he's still somebody who, if you if you throw him out there in a line, lineup of you know him, say KCP, uh, 
Danny Green, LeBron, and AD or something like that, right? You have you have <laughs> decent length like all all across that that lineup, and mm-hmm. and while J.R. Smith is is never somebody that people think of as like lockdown defender, just being big enough so that somebody notices that you're there is in and of its skill a bit of a, a, a in and of its own a, a bit of a skill. So I I, I think that's where he makes the most sense. And then, you know, you're also talking if they add somebody here, Dion waiters is a 14th man. And then J.R. Smith is going to be the 15th. So anybody that they add, you're not talking about, you know, somebody who is going to, you know, play a significant role on a, on a day-to-day basis, but can Smith kind of get hot and, and open things up so that LeBron and, and AD can breathe a little bit in, in a playoff game. Yeah. I could see that happening. Can Deion Waiters go on some wild 8-0 run by himself and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of just do all kinds of dumb stuff that gets you back in a game <laughs> that you have no business being in? Like, yeah, I could see that kind of happening. So with both of those guys, uh, I use the analogy. I play, I've been playing a bunch of, of Fallout 4, and mm-hmm. they have this one weapon that's called the Fat Man, and it shoots this, like, mini nuke that is just as likely to – kill you is is as likely as it is to kill anybody else that's in in that room with you but sometimes situations get, just get so dire that you're like screw it if it takes me i gotta restart the level anyway i wasn't gonna win this thing anyway i'm gonna fire this thing and see how it goes and sometimes it works and then other times you're you know a, a mangled puddle on the ground yeah the thing i keep coming back to with jr smith is that he's 34 years old and we think about, you know, JR getting hot and having a big playoff game. The memory that always comes to mind for me is game seven of the 2016 finals, which I don't want to denigrate that moment. That was JR Smith came out of halftime. The Cavs were down maybe like seven points. He immediately hits three threes or two threes in a long two and everything changes. Mm-hmm. And that's a meaningful thing, but it happened four years ago. Yeah. And I legitimately cannot think of a single positive thing JR Smith has done since then. <laughs> Because we all obviously remember game one of the 2018 NBA Finals in which he forgot the clock or whatever happened. Um, birthed a you know, very useful meme, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's really positive. That meme <laughs> is like, given us so much. <laughs> I don't know that LeBron views it positively. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. But then again, I have the same thing with Deion Waiters, where I remember him playing very well in the playoffs against the Spurs and the Warriors when he was with Oklahoma City. But that was also in 2016. And... The fact that we're relying, or I don't know if we're relying, but we may have to rely on guys who haven't really contributed positively in three or four years to an NBA team is worrisome. It's, it's giving me yeah. a lot of pause. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I just don't think that anybody who you would feel comfortable with in that spot really exists on the market right now. You know, uh, I, it's just... I guess it's it, just time for more Caruso, right? I, no, I mean that that absolutely. I mean that yeah. that's that's kind of what we come down to is that like in come playoff time anyway, those minutes are going to extend. So guys who are playing, you know, twenty two minutes a game that might extend out to twenty six, and then mm-hmm. you know, uh, LeBron the 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 burden that LeBron is going to carry even while he plays more minutes, it's also going to grow, right? So mm-hmm. so what you would be asking of your fourteenth and fifteenth guy come playoff time that's going to be even less important. You know, you mm-hmm. might need to rely on it even less than you would normally, you know, in, in that spot. But even with that said, I, 
you know, Jared Dudley raised the concern on Twitter the other day, right? That like how many soft tissue injuries are we going to see because guys right. have been sitting down for s- sitting around for so long um, making sourdough that they might not be ready to, to you know, cause, cause obviously Sabrina, every single NBA player has just followed every social the distancing. Of the law. <laughs> yeah. Every protocol that we've been told they have followed with, with just, they haven't, been playing in any skins leagues in Oklahoma, you know, like that (laughs) hasn't been happening. (laughs) Absolute impunity. Like, look, we aren't, I'm not, I I don't want to sound like I'm joking about this because like guys coming down with COVID is legitimately scary for some, Mm -hmm. for for most. So I'm not, I don't mean to joke about it, but watching people on Twitter realize like, oh my goodness, you're telling me NBA players maybe just maybe haven't been abiding social distancing (laughs) protocols. Like what? I'm just like, what world have you been living in? But anywho. You're telling me the Lakers haven't practiced at a Staples Center replica in Bel Air over the last three months? <laughs> you just unearthed audio of Paul George admitting to Balmer <laughs> saying that or doing what, what he like specifically is told not to do in, in NBA bylaws. So like, yeah. And th- the fact that some of these laws and, and guidelines might have been skirted, uh, it's just, it's just, you know, I, I'm dumbfounded, quite frankly. But, um, but yeah, here with, with, uh, as they resume these games, there's, you know, there is a chance that the Lakers might have to rely on J.R. Smith and they might have to have Dion Waiters kind of throw a, a couple haymakers to try to get them back into the game. But it, it, if you also look at some of the other 15th guys on other rosters, 14th guys on other rosters, like I don't think those fans are going to be too thrilled about seeing those guys in big spots either. It's funny you say Dion Waiters throwing haymakers because my lasting impression of Dion Waiters is, I don't know if you remember this uh, Thunder Spurs playoff series. Uh, he's inbounding the ball at the end of the game and he's sort of just like elbows Manu Ginobili out of the way <laughs> and they don't call an inbound <laughs> violation. <laughs> it's, it's a great Dion thing. Like, I know I've, I've expressed a lot of concerns about having Jarrah Smith and Dion Waiters on the roster. I also think it has tremendous entertainment potential, just oh, like yeah. off the charts, really. I um, mean, this whole thing is going to be so insanely weird that it feels like Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith should be involved. Right? They just belong in this bubble or, you know, <laughs> mesh hat or whatever is happening in Orlando. Campus bubble, camp bubble, whatever we're calling it. And I, I spent a good chunk of my weekend watching Dion Waiters highlights, and <laughs> that dude does some crazy things on basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> he does like I've always thought that Dion Waiters played like you know maybe we would if if like if you were just given the opportunity to have an NBA skill set a legitimate NBA skill set in athleticism mm-hmm. for one game like some of the weird things that you would try that's what Dion Waiters is is to me that like some in some weird universe they just keep rotating people into his skill set to be able to go out there and play in an NBA game and sometimes you're just going to see some weird stuff. You're just going to see some weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How are you feeling about the NBA's actual ability to pull this off? Because, uh, you know, like we mentioned, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but the cases in Florida are still going up. Uh, the Disney cast members will not be tested, or at least not nearly with the same regularity as the NBA personnel will be. Um, <laughs> apparently there was some New York beat writer who like saw that Disneyland was being delayed opening and he thought that was referring to disney world (laughs) it's like a whole hubbub about it um but yeah i mean like sam amick had that piece where you know 
maybe like there's like a 70% chance that GMs are on board with this plan as is. Uh, I, I felt a lot more confident last week, you know, when we were making jokes about the, the protocol and 113 pages of rules they had to follow. I'm a little less confident that it's actually going to go through now. Well, so I don't know if confident is a word I would ever use when you're okay. trying to play basketball amidst a, trying to do anything, quite frankly, amidst in the middle of a global yeah. pandemic that like our federal government has just decided doesn't exist anymore. Right. right? So like, I, I don't think there's anything that any business could do right now that would make its employees, or in this case, such a public business, mm-hmm. make its fans, you know, confident in the path forward. And, and like, I, you know, I've been, I've been seeing a lot, and, you know, Twitter is, is kind of a, a unique bubble for this in that, in that it can be pretty performative. And mm-hmm. I've noticed a whole bunch of like, oh, just cancel the season. Why are we doing this? Why is this? Like when, when the federal government leaves its populace up to take care of itself that's kind of what the populace has to do right like we aren't we we can't just kind of sit back here and wait for better days where the government actually does its job so if if the nba which is at the end of the business business is is looking at this and 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 you, they look at the government and they say, the government is like, we aren't even testing anymore. We aren't even getting, we aren't going to give you any federal resources to run tests anymore. You guys are on your own. Like, I, I can't really blame the NBA for, for trying to continue to resume its, its day-to-day businesses. Because like the alternative to this, as easy as it is for people to just say like, Oh, screw it. Cancel the season. It's, it's not going to be safe. What's this risk? Mm-hmm. Like the risk is that the NBA is not the same ever again. Yeah. Like, the, the risk is that the CBA gets rewritten and players give up a ton of money to make up for the loss of revenue from not just this, but also the China situation earlier in the year. Like mm-hmm. it's not so easy a decision as, Oh, screw it. Like things will be better in, 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 I guess, December for some reason when we don't really have any inclination, any reason as to why things are going to be better in December, other than maybe, you know, we'll have a different person in charge of the federal government. But like, when, when you really sit down and think about what the decision would entail if the NBA was just to wipe their hands of this entire situation and say, all right, we'll see you guys again in December. Like, it's 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 untenable quite frankly and the when something is untenable and the other option is play basketball in the middle of a uh, of a state that has been ex- so lax in their response to this thing that they are seeing some of like the rates are skyrocketing right i live in a state right now in texas where the government just decided yeah you guys are good go out there and mingle all you want. Now we're like 11 straight days of record numbers um, mm-hmm. across the state. So like when you, when you, when you have these states and you have the government and the people who should be mature enough to make decisions that actually benefit its populace, sometimes when the populace is left to its own uh, abilities to take care of itself, that me- that leads to some just impossible situations. And, and I think here with, with the spot, I, no, I'm not confident that the NBA is going to be pulled pull this off. There's, there seems to be a decent likelihood here where it just blows up in everybody's face. But there's also a likelihood here where it doesn't completely blow up in their face and they're able to get some revenue back 
from an absolute shit show of a season and then prepare themselves for, for whatever is going to come next. And, you know, I, I can't really blame the NBA for trying to see if they can find some way, some course towards that latter scenario. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably the right place to end on in that like this is a business and they have to do what they can to, you know, make money as a business, which I don't know. It sounds crass, I guess, but it's, I mean, it's kind of the point as, you know, like, this is what we have to do. We all have to get back to our jobs at some point, like you said, because no one else is making it any easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, we've continued our shows, right? Like Silver Screen mm-hmm. has continued to produce pro- uh, content at a time where like there hasn't been much content to produce and interest in that content is way down. But that doesn't mean that like we can just say, oh, well, that we just we just got to stop making this content. It's not worth it anymore. It's, it's just that's not really how the world works. You, you have to try to find some way to remain productive here so that whenever some version of normalcy is resumed, you can actually hit that ground running. Whereas like if, if, if they just stop, that means they now have to start that next season making up for the, the, the loss of revenue from the last one. And, and I, I, you know, I just don't know how, how, like, we think we have a lack of confidence in this version of the season, but I would have much less confidence in a more desperate situation in a few months. Yeah. It's, it's just so strange to think that like, you know, we're, we're trying to return to a sense of normalcy and normalcy may involve like Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith in a Laker <laughs> uniform. <laughs> like how close to normalcy are we going to get where we miss Avery Bradley? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think normalcy right. exists anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess we should uh, just, you know, stay tuned to the internet when inevitably with the next few days, J.R. Smith will be signing on the dotted line and the Lakers will officially play six clutch clients <laughs> it's becoming a quorum <laughs> i wish they would like change the patch on the on the jersey from wish to clutch yeah like just this just lean Most in. people wouldn't even notice really yeah <laughs> all right well that's been our show we hope you uh enjoy the dion waiters jr smith experience it's, it's gonna happen <laughs> i'm just gotta wrap my head around it uh Make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And have a nice week. Yeah, 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 yeah